thing. Welcome to Church and Other Drugs. Yo, what's going on, bitches? My name is Jed. I am Jay. You are, uh... Funkmaster Flex. <laughs> are we going back to Jay? I am whatever I feel like in the moment. You know what I mean? I live in today. One day at a time. I'm gonna call you Juan Julio then. That's fine. I'm cool with that. I know I'm you I'm down are. with that. Um, you wanna hear... <laughs> I'm gonna just come out of the gate with this. You wanna hear the funniest uh, today I learned I've, I've learned? It's the funniest and most informative and grossest. <laughs> That I've heard in a long today time. Today I learned. Today, today I learned. Today I learned. Today I'm learning everything today. Um, AJ, falling okay. down on the job, bro. It's been months. I know. He, he's a he is. School is not an excuse anymore. He's like no. He's on like The Walking Dead now. I know. I saw. He sent me a picture. I'm not allowed to send it to anybody or tell he, anybody. <laughs> Oops. He, con- he is an actor. Uh, yes, a classically trained actor doing Shakespeare in the park and whatnot. I don't know yeah. if he's doing that, but he's going to. But he needs famous. to get his shit together and make our jingle. Yes, yeah. That's what I'm AJ, saying. Forget your 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 little day job and get get back to making music for us for free, please. Also, he drove from Atlanta to like Kentucky or somewhere to go shoot for something crazy, and he didn't even stop in Charleston. That's because he doesn't like you. Oh, fucking whack, bro. I wasn't supposed anyway. to say that. Okay. Anyway. So, I've always wondered. Oh, <laughs> uh, so how does your body know if it's a fart or a poop? Oh, uh, like what sensors? Yeah. There is right. something called the anal sampling mechanism. And it, in fact, gauges the contents of the uh the chamber between you know your stomach and intestines and the outside world and judges whether or not it's solid or gas and tells your brain if it's okay to let it fly that's a real thing dude that's incredible the anal sampling mechanism keeping you safe have you really I've never thought about that before in my life. I have. Well, okay. Been, I'll tell you've you. been in ponderance for years. Well, over I'll the... tell you. I'll tell you where this came from because fin- Finley, our good friend Finley, fin uh, de- developed this theory back in high school, but he called it the barrier fart theory. <laughs> in that, in that, there is there is a a level of of fart between success and failure right and you deplete <laughs> it over time <laughs> turns That's out funny. i mean it, it was based in scientific reality so good job finley being ahead of the curve on that that's awesome hashtag stoner thoughts yeah yeah hilarious dude that's um, really funny man how's your life life's okay life's busy but good things are good on a whole. Well, that's good. Yeah. Oh. Eh. Boring. But it's good. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, it's my day off. Shout out also to Dave from Dopey, who made three years sober today. Yeah, boy. That is Trace no easy Sanyos. feat. No. Yeah. No, it's not. I'm three coming days up on, is on a big four. Hey, oh. September 23rd. I'm going uh, double digits in January if I don't drink before then. Uh, I might sabotage you. Don't see you fucks with me. I might. I'm gonna <laughs> blow dart you with heroin from from like forty yards. 
That's a freebie, dog. That's I'll true. That. You have no control over that. <laughs> I'll take it... that. Uh, what? What? What happened? Jonathan uh, Magoo, if you guys remember that episode, is one of my best friends here, and he has this like crazy irrational fear of getting because he goes to a lot of music festivals of getting sprayed in the face with acid and i'm all, I'm always like oh, bro yeah. i'll take that dog that's a freebie yeah freebie. That, i don't know not with acid i've heard that's uh what is it called um puddling is what it was used to call to be called where like at uh at raves people would like you'd hold your hand out to uh, get dropped or whatever, and like some uh, people, there are stories of people getting quote puddled where they would just like a goosh and just like cover you. Oh my gosh! Yeah, not a good thing. My, I, I can't remember who, what friend it was, but he was telling me that they had. He went. To, it might have been dirty. I don't remember, but they went to a party where they had LSD in the bathtub. It was like some chemist. What? And they everyone just went in and put their hands in the bathtub until they started to trip, and then they just take. Their oh hands my out. god! Doesn't that just sound like bonkers, nah. dude? Dude, yeah, yes, it does. Because once you started to trip, dude, it's you know how much late. LSDs Yeah, that's system? what I'm saying. It's far too late. You should have uh, oh pulled out God. hours ago. Um, dude. Woo. On, on the Christian news front of good, did you see all the people from Willow Creek that uh, took the high road and resigned because of the Bill Hybels accusations? Willow. Willow. Like everything oh, about is that, that 80s movie. Willow. Movie. Willow. It's so good. It's me, Willow. Um, no, I didn't see that. So tell me, give me all the deets. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so, you know, are, are you familiar with Bill Hybels? I know the name. Okay. Well, he was a, uh, he is a mega bastard, uh, pastor okay. in mega church. And Did you say mega bastard? Mega bastard. Yeah. Mega. Well, is that a Freudian slip? He was a mega pastor. Uh-huh. Um, and sexual allegation, misconduct stuff, groping, gotcha. groping interns. Uh, Fun. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, super great guy. Yeah, he watched too many episodes of Mad Men, um, and was like, "Bill Cosby, got it." Uh huh. And uh, so he resigned before he could get, or he took an early retirement. I can't remember what the what the word he used for was, but it was basically like, "I'm out of here before y'all have to fire me." And so there was three. elders and people that stepped up they got like a new pastor and um some more allegations recently came out and those three people are like you know what like we're not gonna support this so like we just we all resign so they didn't like how the treat the church was maybe covering things up and so they resigned or what yeah it, it was more like look this is deeper than we thought and i don't think in good conscience we can even support this be, anymore be with this church yeah got it this is pretty this is a, a that's is, legit it is legit instead of them being you know instead of them going on the defense and covering it up they they're uh, doubling down on yeah whatever their stance was yeah that's pretty cool that is pretty cool that's super duper cool uh the other thing demi lovato and goldberg bro goldberg well, this is all right. So this is this is this is what pissed me off. Okay, uh, and I think it's been brought up before. Uh, thankfully, some people that can word things better 
made jokes about it, but like, oh yeah, Demi Lovato overdoses. Oh my god, you poor thing. Like, we feel so sorry for you. Your life is blah 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 blah. blah. You know. Meanwhile, like, how many YouTube videos of parents overdosed in their car? Or like, look at this sad mother effort. Like, da 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 da. You piece of shit. Get your life together, junkie. It's like, oh, okay. So wait a minute. So when somebody I like and like, you pretty know, and famous, pretty and famous, uh, overdoses, all of a sudden there's all the pity in the world. But the standard average heroin user is just a piece of shit junkie. That bothered me. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. Yes, I agree with that. I 100% agree with that. I also will say that if we look at, like, Lindsay Lohan from years ago or Amanda Bynes, remember them? Oh, when like they, Amanda Bynes. Yo, their shit went off the fucking rails. <clears throat> and there was no pity for them. That's true. That's <laughs> so true. I will That's say the... okay. that we're making steps in the okay. right direction. I uh, agree with your statement. No, I, I 100% agree, but I, agree I think with we're your making thought. Yeah. steps in the right direction, you know? Okay, I can deal with that. Okay. okay. I believe you, so I'm in the line. Dun, 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 dun. What is that? I don't know. Um, oh, it's the, um, anyway. Oh. Keep going. All right, well, let, let's, uh, you know, stick a stick a, uh, a bookmark in that one and get to the interview, and then when we come back, uh, I want to talk about Goldberg. Not the wrestling. That'd be interesting. That would be interesting. This is equally interesting. All right, today. airfield afghanistan what the hell is that like um ah man when i first came out here it it would okay for like a lot of guys it's it's hard to describe like soldiers get just like thrown out here Uh they get hey i'm going on deployment hey i boom i'm in afghanistan right and and it shocks them i kind of got to transition so so I, I i got i've already been in the military and then i got to move to um contracting side in charleston south carolina so i i was working uh um at the navy site there working on uh mraps um which are which are mine resistant ambush protected vehicles so they're basically uh you know you watch Transformers? You ever uh, seen Transformers? Indeed, I have. 
Okay, so you know the, the, the big military truck that gets that that Optimus Prime fights? Yes. On the bridges and yeah. That's a MRAP. Okay. But that's the big boy MRAP. So um and they and matter of fact I used to live like a mile because I was I lived in Latin for a while. They had a they had a company there in Latin that built those. Um, there in Latin. So so I, I got to work in Charleston doing that. And then I got to go to Kuwait before I went to Afghanistan. Kuwait's kind of like the transient, you know, like before you play with the big boys, you go to Kuwait. <laughs> Kuwait's not a war zone, <laughs> what, nothing like that. What, what did you start your military career as? Oh, gosh. See, the, and I was an admin guy. I oh, did. Okay. Uh, I did service <laughs> record. Yeah, nothing related to what I'm doing. I, I, I'm one of those guys who has done everything. Jack of all trades and master of many, but not all. Uh, I um I was a uh, um I was a yeoman, which is like pretty much I did dealt with service records and was an admin assistant. So I did that for eight years. Got out. Um, happened to be a Tricare rep, which is like a medical uh, claims rep, and then um, I went and became a paralegal. At a law firm in uh, Motley Rice in uh, Charleston, or Mount Pleasant, actually. But I did that for four years, so I did asbestos claims for four years. Then, during that time, I started just dabbling in guitar building, because I was a guitar player. So I, I built guitars as a hobby, and um, was really into that. And I was playing guitar at church, and I had done that for a while. I was dabbled a little bit in, in producing, did some studio work for like some small, uh, studios. And then, um, and then I used my guitars as my resume to go into woodworking. So I interviewed with Zion. Literally. Yeah. (laughs) So I went, you you ever heard of Zion guitars? I have. Um, yeah. Okay. So I was a, I was a big, this is going to sound really nerdy on the Christian side and on the nerd side. So I'm a big, Petra fan, Bob Hartman from Petra. Yeah. So I like to the point where, by the way, Bob Hartman is very accessible. So I chat with him on Facebook, the whole deal. Really? So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, um, he builds guitars too, as well. He did that. So I, I was big into him, you know, uh, Judas kiss. I don't know if you know, like I was a huge Petra fan and, and a lot of this came from me being in foster care and then we'll get into that later. So like, um, um, my first concert was This Means War, 1987, Petra. So, nice. um, yeah, so, so, uh, so I interviewed with Zion Guitars. He was going to hire me. The owner of Zion Guitars was going to hire me, but I took my, my son at the time, Jace and my wife, uh, Shauna, we, we went to the interview. I don't know. I just like, it, it was like one of those dream kind of things. Like, man, if I can work for Zion Guitars, I'm in, man, you know, because I tried to do the whole guitar thing. I tried to do the whole, uh, what what's that deal where you do the um, tempered tuning for guitars? The uh, It's got the little lightning bolt on it. I went to that whole course, did the whole deal. Oh. Um, by the way, it is, it, is, it is legit, but if you just know the science behind it, you don't need to have that. <laughs> <laughs> so I went, interviewed, would have had the job. But he saw that I had a kid and a wife, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna hire you because I can only pay you like ten bucks an hour." Uh, and I was like, "Damn it!" Well, so at least so, he was honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So happened to be, I had a same interview with a stair company, 
and they were going to pay me 12 bucks an hour. <laughs> so, oh, so uh, but it was a weird thing. Cause, cause I, I had just got, uh, pretty much fired from the job I was at, at the law firm because I was, I was running the, uh, the, um, what do you call it? Like the, uh, supply, like I used to be a paralegal and then I switched over to doing, uh, the warehouse for all the documents for the whole entire company. Oh, dude. And if you don't, if you don't know, Fuck if you don't know, Ness, if you don't know Ness, well, no, it was a nice job. Well, but... well, I say that it's because I had, so when I moved, um, when I moved from South Carolina to quick side note, when I moved from South Carolina to, uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana to go to, rehab after 10 months you go get a job and this was i I wasn't used to like summers in south carolina are brutal but in louisiana it's it's a whole different ball game and i know that game oh man and so (laughs) i was in gulfport also yeah exactly so you know the hell that is like august but uh so my first job was at this legal warehouse and it hadn't been organized in maybe 26 Uh years and they just they just oh, hired me okay. and one other dude to just organize it. And ours, uh, ours was organized, okay, and we had yeah. a access database. But there were some we moved we moved from an old tobacco warehouse in downtown Charleston to some just random place. I can't even remember where it was, but like we we moved from one location to another, and reorganizing everything that was already in a database and getting in order. It was kind of weird. And then and then they went to digital. Everything's digital now, so like you scan everything. Nothing's hard copy now. Like you have hard copy if you need it for legal purposes, but everything is scanned. And um, I mean, why are you going to have like a football field sized warehouse when you can scan everything? And this is the law firm that sued um, the tobacco company back in the day and got the three trillion dollars and oh, the whole very freaking. Nice. And they're the ones who sued the nine eleven people. So that's. Uh, so I was kind of glad to kind of leave after that. I'm like, I don't want to be a target. Yeah, <laughs> so, no kidding. But yeah. so I so so I did that, and then I went to the woodworking thing. So when we were in North Carolina, I happened to interview with with the um, um, stair company. My wife left her job. It was one of those like we felt God told us. You, you have you, you ever had those moments like oh, where yeah. I feel. Yeah, so we felt God told us, and, and here's the thing, and I'm not going to disclaim this because it worked out. So, so, so I she left her job. She was making like, gosh, like forty or fifty k or something. I'm like, she was making good money. She was making more. She was always making more than me until I started contracting overseas. So she left that job. Um, we went with my son, my little guitars, you know, my two guitars. And all my little scrap wood, and we moved into this tiny little two-bedroom house in Cary, North Carolina. And I worked at the stair company. I autom- I as soon as I walked in, I was already worked at the customs department. Like like we did, I did like custom stuff. Um, I wasn't the run-of-the-mill, you know, installer. And people hated that about me because I didn't know how to use certain tools. Or anything because I built guitars and I brought my guitar in as a uh, I brought two guitars in as my resume. I automatically got moved up to high position. Boom! They oh, yeah. hated People me. Like, hated you. Yeah. But, nobody uh, likes that. Yeah, guy. because I, 
no, no, no. Who's who's this guy? He doesn't even know how to use a Brad nailer or, or a you know you know he doesn't know how to use a router. And I'm like, man, I kind I kind of know, but you know. So I picked it up, and I mean, I got resistant. And then six months into it, I was a production manager for the whole shop, and then they hated me more. So I just had to push on. So so I think that helped me in like how to deal. First off, you're not my friends. I'm here to work. I'm here to. Pr- provide for my family and i had to learn that real quick like yeah you know this that's a tough is what i do yeah and, and and i hate it because these certain guys i like and i like you i like you there was a guy that um who i took guitar lessons from because like i'm like i want to take it to the next level right so i took guitar lessons from him i didn't learn a whole lot but this was just a summer intern guy coming in he was going to by the way this guy's a phenomenal guitar player um, but he, he was horrible at woodworking. So I had to be the hard ass on him being the boss and then taking guitar. So I learned real quick. These are not your buddies. The, and I want them to be, you know, and then by the way, later on, I learned how to balance that out. This is young into this. So I did that. We moved back to Charleston. Um, my wife got a pay raise at the same job she was at. They were like, "Yeah, we'll pay you like ten thousand more." And I'm like, "Oh crap!" I got I got a job doing woodworking, paying me like twi- almost twice as much as what I was making. So it worked out, you know. And then here I am now in the middle of Afgan- Afghanistan. Um, but going, but the the big the big deal. I guess I don't know how you're going to edit this, but <laughs> the big deal on the interview is uh. The book, Nephilomancer. So. Yes. Yes, and I kind of... So how did that kind of emerge? Well, it all relates. So we moved back We moved back into um, South Carolina. Um, we, the reason why we moved is because my mother-in-law, you know, is like... Uh, she kind of... She, she doesn't... Uh, how do you say this? Um, put, it, put it bluntly. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to put it bluntly because I'm deaf. she lives with us. No, I love my mother-in-law. Like she's awesome. So I know, I'm she she was living in different places. So um, so we were like, you know what? We need to take care of you know. I got to take care of mom because I call her mom because that's mm-hmm. my mom. It's it's one of my mom. I, I still call my mom mom, but that's yeah, I, I one of my. Same. So um. So that whole mother-in-law like bad thing, I don't, I don't get that. Like I love my mother-in-law. So, so, so we were like, you know, we're gonna, we need to go home, take care of mom. So we go home, take care of mom. Um, she lives with us, so we live in this, you know, nice, uh, you know, subdivision, you know, life. So, um, in that house, same house, I woke up one morning. This is before I was deployed. Like I think exactly like four months or three months before I was deployed. I woke up, had this dream about um, it. It was like a it was like a movie in my head, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, like it was really, really real. So I woke up and I'm like, man. And for some reason, I said, I gotta write a book about this. Something told me, and this is where I where I get into the supernatural. Like something told me, I gotta write a book about this. And there was no big, there was no reason. And here's the deal I have with that: like people get up and say, "Oh, I got to do this." So I'm like, "Well, what's the end? What's the end goal? What's the reason?" Like, 
like don't prophesy to me if it's not gonna be a thing right does that make sense yeah like are you speaking to god on that yeah no no this this is one of those things where i woke up and i was like god told me to do this blah blah blah, robot do this so it it was and at the time i was like yeah man but i was it, it and i and the thing is it could have been just some passion or some whatever I blame it on God because that's all I know how to relate to, right? So sure. at that time. So I woke up and said, man, I'm going to write this. And and to be honest with you, and this is before I – disclaimer. <laughs> this is before I watched all those damn vampire movies. It was like a vampire thing. It was going to be a vampire thing or a werewolf. <laughs> thing, right? So and then, and then when I saw the culture of vampire and werewolves, I'm like, hell no. I'm not doing this. Right. I'm like, there's – there's no way. No, I'm not. I'm not twilighting this crap. <laughs> so, so I, uh, I, I kind of just worked on it. And here's the thing: it was like you ever watch Family Guy and they oh, yeah. pick on Brian from that book for like ten years. Exactly. Right? I, I was that guy. <laughs> so, so I had my coworkers. I had other people and friends that I worked with in Afghanistan. Like, you gonna write that book? You gonna do this? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it and it would really piss me off, like like it really hit my nerves. I'm like, man, you got to be serious about this. You got you got, you got to write this thing. And I was and the thing was is I was so scared to write it because because the reason why I wrote it um, or, or some of the topics in it like really hit home. So it was hard for me to to um, follow through with it because. I wanted to, I, I wanted to avoid dealing with certain stuff face to face. If that makes sense. Yeah, like like like, which, like what stuff? Oh God, okay. There, <laughs> there's some abuse in there. Mm. Um, there's some. If you if you if you know me, like certain certain family members will read the book and and know, and know exactly what it's what. talking about. Certain people will read it and go, oh, that's creative. Like, no, it's not creative. Like, that's – you haven't read – and first, the one I'm the one I'm releasing isn't unabridged. Um, it's it's the uh, filtered version. I went full ham, man, on the first thing, and they were like – my editor was like, yeah, I can't read this chapter. And I'm like, come on, man. No, I cannot. And that's how bad it got. And I'm like, like, people suffer, like, abuse like this like in the United States, like on a norm. So yeah. why, why would, you know, so I, I, you know, like you, you live your cush life, but man, in reality, man, people, people, Oh God, I had a horrible upbringing. So well, yeah, well, well, yeah, get into it. I mean, as, as much as you can. Well, I mean, um, I was, you know, I, I didn't talk to my mom and sister for like years like uh when i say years like since i was probably deployed which was 2010 um and since facebook let's let let's preface with facebook so facebook and um what was the other what was the old one that MySpace. used to be out there MySpace. Yeah, MySpace. so yeah so my, my mom and sister my mom is like way behind but my sister wasn't on myspace i think she was on facebook so um that makes do not devalue uh, how important like Facebook is. Like that's a big deal. 
like in the past, like when I first got deployed um, in Cuba, I was in Cuba from 93 to 95, I think, during the whole refugee crisis back then. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, I was, oh, good, good Lord, I, that's a whole other story, but I was in the middle of all that. So my mom called the recruiter office and somehow it came back to me like, hey, your son's not, you know, like, hey, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, obviously I'm okay because you know who I am. So, uh, yeah, yeah, your mom's saying you're not calling her. Like that back in the day, that's what they would do. Like if you didn't call them, they would call the recruiter officer, call the command and go like, hey, my son's not talking to me. I'm like, there's a reason why I'm not talking to you because right. I'm get, get away from this. But um, so, yeah, like like. And then, and then when Facebook came in, it's like all that went away. Like, but now, um, people bombard me with messages. Like when I say people, I mean like family members or whatever. Hey, why don't you call your dad? Why don't you call your mom? Why don't you do this? And, uh, and I just like, no, well, I, I, I am. I, I, here's the deal. I don't like dealing with, and I, I think this is the way with most people. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm the weirdo. I hate confrontation. Ah, you know, and, and, and it—that's yeah, the, reason... the opposite of me. Uh, if I know something is is, if there's tension in the air, like then let's just get to it. Let's just cut right through it because I, uh, I can't well, stand the I'm, unknowing. I'm getting to that point, and that's because I think if you train properly, and I say this because personality types will um personality types will obviously like you know veer to one one side or the other but um yeah no no i hate i hate it so i hate i hate the fact that somebody thinks i'm bad or thinks i don't love them or thinks whatever or calls me out on whatever i'm to the point now to where i've dealt with this so many times like you eventually do it so many times to the point where you do eventually just go, man, you know, like, and you buck up. I have a tendency to go way beyond <laughs> the point of uh, what's normal. And if, if, if you call me out on something, I will snap and it's not a good thing. So, right. um, so I try to deal with it that way. With that said, I, I didn't talk to my mom and sister for, gosh, almost 10 years. And I just started talking to them like a month ago or two months ago, and it's still hard. It's still hard for me to deal with because the way they they're very I, I call it overbearing. Like they're very like, hey, what's up? All in your business, and I'm like, man, give me fucking space, man. I need I I need. Can I cuss on here? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm like, give me, give me fucking space, man. I need, and I don't say that to them because, because, because if I ever said that, like it would come off as very aggressive uh, and I love them to death, but man, they are just so overbearing. Um, I'm very free spirit, very relaxed and these guys are not. So, right. Well, how did, uh, so what was, so how did your faith come into play with the book or like the Christian elements or What's been the evolution of that in your life? Well, if you if you look 
the biggest deal with the book was it's okay to think outside of the box. And that used to not be okay for you? No, 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 no. I was very fundamentalist, like hardcore. Like for what um, what, what brand of fundamentalism? Um, like Pentecostal type Ooh, fundamentalism. No dancing, yeah, yeah, yeah. no jewelry, no nothing. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Very much dancing, but oh, uh, really? dancing Wait, which when one is no dancing? No, that's I don't know what that is. But Seventh I know what you're talking Venice, about. Maybe? We, yeah, we had a couple of kids in our school that did that <laughs> or didn't yeah. do that. But uh, no, I was. We were very into. Uh, I uh, man, it 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 hurts my brain just thinking of it now. Um, I remember being because because we when I first met my wife, like I went to a um, like I I came from Orlando and came to Charleston, so um, came from Southern Baptist is where I came from, so. Um, half my family on my dad's side was very into Pentecostal. Um, didn't, didn't grow up in that. So didn't know that. So, um, um, came to Charleston, man, there were some weirdos, man. Like, like I, I went church shopping, right? So there were some, I remember one church I went to and they, and they were playing, uh, they did this whole intro every time they did a service and it was like good baseline, good uh they had a brass session i mean like they had they had like a full band pretty much up on the stage and it was all kids you know from school or you know family you know like the 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 parent you know the the kids of the parents that were going there yeah um the guy was nice and all that he was like yeah get up here on stage and and play and i'm like uh yeah i i, I don't um, know that song? He's like, oh, you don't need to know. Holy Spirit will tell you. And I'm like, yeah, I don't oh, think that's wow. how it works. <laughs> I'm like, I get that people get that play. There's skill involved in people playing in a moment. That's not the Holy Spirit. Yeah, don't right, the Holy Spirit totally. that. And I say that because I've been a you musician. Just, for- I mean, it's like if there was a time machine, you should you should have just gone back there and just like butchered it and be like, "What's oh, going on? This is what the Holy Spirit's telling me," and see if you could have gotten him to go along with it. Oh, good. But if it didn't play, if it didn't play, if it didn't vibe with what they were doing, because they already had a pre pre, they already had a pre prescribed. Here's what we do, and every and and they were traveling musicians. Like it, it's. It, it, this sounds horrible when I say this. In the uh, Somerville, Goose Creek, underground, bad church <laughs> group, there there was this underground movement of musicians that went around and traveled to to each other's churches and played, and it was called revivals every time or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And uh, um, and and I remember like because. We we were the more enlightened ones, and I put this in quotes, like big time quotes. We were the more enlightened um, musicians. We knew it was all just like a weird thing. So I remember getting stuck at churches. I'm like, God, man, it's like ten o'clock at night. All my gears on stage. This guy's doing pastor callouts and revival type stuff. Hey, who hears a pastor? Who hears a preacher? Is what he said. Who hears a preacher? everybody sticks your hand up i'm like damn it man we're gonna be here for like 20 hours and i'm like because they all got to get their testimonial about why they're a preacher and what and this and that 
And then we 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 tried to go up on stage and sneak our stuff out, and they were like, "No, no, no, go don't." And it was it just I oh, hate. That just I, sounds awful. That just sounds oh, awful. It, oh, it, it was weird. But I clued in on t- to that early, and then we left that church, and my wife was the one who was like wanting to do it sooner than me, and I was like, "No, we got to follow." You know, our thing here. Here's the deal. My I met my wife at a. Uh, I met my wife at a church. I came from, you know, Orlando, moved to, you know, South Carolina. Like, I got to find a church, man. I got to get back into this. And we're talking full-on fundamentalist, pretty much Pentecostal-type churches, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So I met her at a church. I think it was Valentine's Day or one of those things. Like, we all went out and had uh, ice cream at one of the local ice cream places. And, uh... um, we had an ice cream social, you know? <laughs> so, and, um, and then just me, you know, so we did that. And then, uh, matter of fact, we almost didn't get married because, um, I was at the church I was at. I was, you know, a guitar player at the church, worship leader. I was doing the finances. I was taking in all the ties and doing all the, the accounting for them. Um, I was, I was in, you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, so what? Lo- lo- so what got you out? Oh, that's a that's a whole. Here's the deal: we left the. Ch- Eventually, I married my wife. We did go to her church. Um, there, it got really weird because we had a new pastor there, and he was. It it was kind of mis mixed messages, if that makes sense. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like. Like he was very, he was an older guy, Korean War vet. You know, I get that. I'm gonna get that old guy vibe, right? I'm gonna get that. But his wife got up on stage one time, and she always wore a dress and was real big about, you know, women. You know, they wear dresses, right? Which, by the way, oh god, that so on so many levels, that's weird. By the way, Mm. um, like um. And then he, we had to wear ties on stage. Like I had to wear a tie every time I went on stage playing guitar. So, so secretly, <laughs> me and my wife would go to Seacoast on the weekends. <laughs> oh, nice! Cheating on church. Cheating on church. <laughs> and then we had a big blow up on stage one time because the drummer came in late, uh, which was one of the elders and something else happened and i just blew i went off i just it, i snapped and i said you come in here and yeah we've been going to seacoast every weekend and then i i said something <laughs> let the cat out the bag and everybody just like oh my god you all sinned and you're going to hell like it was a weird thing and and after that things weren't normal and then eventually we left and went to seacoast and then i auditioned for the band and i was at seacoast so I went to Seacoast, and at Seacoast, you had the freedom to say what you say without people coming down on you real hard. But at the same, it's a double-edged sword. Seacoast is a nice church. Love it. Mega church, you know. Um, you walk in, you know, you can be accepted. You can walk in the crowd and never be known if you want to never be known. That That's right. the double-edged that's sword. That's the double-edged sword, for sure. Yeah. So, for sure. And even... Even being in the band, I could walk in, just be a session, you know, musician, and just walk in and never be known. 
but I was not. I was very, I'm very, you know, I'm a social butterfly, so I like to go in. And so I, I did um, James Island. I don't know if you're familiar with the mm-hmm. area. So yeah, James, James Island or one of those, like uh, um, w- we were doing training. Like I played at the main stage. I did, uh, when I say main stage, like never a main service. I wasn't that good. Uh, so, <laughs> so I did, did uh, like, weird things like when they had to have conferences or whatever and then eventually ended up in Somerville and good group good good musicians in Somerville like some of the bet like gosh man the drummer there is amazing um um went there but when we were doing um like behind stages like you know you, you do your service you do like three services a weekend or two or whatever when you're doing the in-betweens, you're just sitting in the room and you're just all chatting, man. You're waiting for like an hour and a half for the next service. Um, I started, you know, I was already like in my mind at the fact that I left the other church, like starting to explore, you know, what do I believe? What do I not believe? And then the whole thing of um, of uh, predestination came up and I started questioning that. And then and people were like, no, it's this and this. I'm like, well you're saying it's this and this and that, but like, do you ever really search? Like, I, I just don't, I don't buy that. So, so that was the start of it. Like that was the seed that blossomed into what it is now. And to the point where, um, I told you already, like I tried to deny God, you know, I, yeah. this is way back in the, you know, um, I, I just couldn't do that. So I'm like, I'm locked in, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. a Christian. I believe God. So l- let me, deal with it at least on this level. So, so I, at least I had perimeters. So, um, I came in and I was like, uh, and I, I challenged everything. I'm like, man, scripture contradicts itself. It doesn't make sense here. You got God's, you know, the nature of God or how he thinks is this way. And then Jesus thinks this way. Jesus was probably the most grounded guy of them all when it came to, I mean, obviously, it's, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, but like, like his stuff was so like, it didn't hit me like how different his belief system was from that of what people traditionally believed. And I'm not going to say what God believed because people assumed this is how God believed. Jesus came in and changed the, changed the thing. So I just can't shake the Jesus thing. How about that? So, yeah, no, I'm good with that. That's yeah. That's essentially, well, yeah, I mean that's sort of where I'm at. And in I got a very and, condensed way. In 2000, I think it was 2011 or 2012, because I think that's when Bad Christian started, right? 2013, maybe. Yeah, around then. You know, you know, um, um, what, um, Jeannie Mitchum. Refresh me. Uh, she she works. She does photography for them, so. Uh, for Bad Christian. So she oh, okay. she's yeah, just a member on the thing. She's the one, that, you know, I'm good friends with her. She, for my, me and my wife had a soap company for a while. So she did our photography for that. I played in a, she's an amazing bass player. So I played in the band with her and her husband at the church for a while. So she's the one that turned me on to that. Like I saw her post. I'm like, let me check this out. And then I was just like hooked from that. Cause I've been listening to them since like episode five or something like that. And so. So, well then, so why don't you, uh, I mean, so what's break down the book for me? 
So the book, I told you, I woke up one morning, and I'm like, oh, man, I got to write. For some reason, I got to write a book, right? God told me I got to write a book. That's what I thought, okay? Just like um, old Joseph Smith, huh? Take it to Mormons, right? Yeah. So, no, I had that. And and I'm telling you, when it happened, that's what I thought for real. Like, that, that's what it is. That's that's. Ex- um. Over time, it evolved from the like what I woke up to because what I woke up to was basically a werewolf book, right? Um, and I thought it was so real. I don't know. It was it was a weird experience, and I think it had a lot to do with that I was locked because because I had to deal with authority for so long that I was locked into if somebody tells you to do it, you do it, right? So I woke right. up. Oh, if God tells. Would I do it? So it was kind of that lock-in, and then eventually, and this, and it turned into this was 2010. This is before I was deployed. Is when I woke up and had this. So I, I wrote it down on a piece of paper or like my notebook, and then slowly I wrote it. I wrote like maybe one quarter of it in 2011 when I was in, or 2000, yeah, 10 to 11 when I was in Kuwait. It was always in portions. And I was so afraid to write. I didn't want to write. Like I was, I don't know why. Like now I'm, I'm free of that now. Like, um, it, it was one of those, like, I don't want to fail. So I didn't write. If that makes yeah, sense. Totally. Yeah. So, if you don't, like, if, if I, you don't finish it, you can't fail. Yeah. If I ignore it and I just live on the dream or the idea of it, then I can write that for a while. And I'm like, dude, totally. it's been eight. Uh, it's been eight years. Uh, it's time to, or it's been like at that point, I was like, it's been six years. It's time to uh, buck up or get get the hell out. So, mm-hmm. um, so I finished it. Um, so what it's about is, um, uh, I don't know if you know, like way, way, you know, way back in the day, the Catholic Church did all kinds of good deeds. <laughs> 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 so uh, one of them was the Crusades. <laughs> They first, the first crusades were basically to rid uh, the world of anything but Catholicism, um, including Muslims. It, it wasn't all about Muslims, just so you know. Um, there were there were other religions like the Cathars. Um, so they go they go into Europe and get rid of these guys who are very hey, people would call it pagan or whatever. It's just a different type of religion. So they try to get rid of them. Convert them, you know, convert or die, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. um, Solid choice. So, yeah. So they flee, and um, they keep getting this inkling to go to Patmos, which, which this is all fiction. You know, none of this happened. So, you know, Patmos is where John was imprisoned, um, and the Book of Revelation was written. Sure. So, um, so they go to Patmos. They find this these old ancient ruins there and um they see this glow of light like they're at night camping out hanging out they see this glow of light coming from this ancient ruins they go the guys you know because the men you know that's that's the uh the way it goes back in the day (laughs) the and the way it goes now actually but um the men go out seek it out and come to find out there's a whole and there's a whole group of Nephilim been chained up by God down in this like, you know, like cave or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so they go down there and uh, find these Nephilim. And 
Um, one of them is able to speak, and I won't say how. You got to read the book. So, <laughs> <laughs> one of them is able to speak, and they engage, and it starts this whole journey of uh, this weird. There's two Nephilim in this book for the most part. Um, um, and they advise, you know, the leaders and whoever's in charge on how to do things. And it gets really weird later on. And, and there, and, and there are people who have no souls and I go into the whole parenting thing. Like, uh, um, there's, there, and I'm not, I'm not naming apps. I'm not calling out absolutes here, but there, there are two kind of basic ways that a child or a person, um, you know, learns their moral compass. How about this? So you got, you got one, you got the, um, and this, this is a parenting tool, by the way, to sell kids things. So, um, one, you got the passers kid, right? Who, uh, who the only reason they don't do bad things is because they know the consequence of it. They already know early on the consequence of it. So they, they don't do bad things because I'm going to get caught. I do this or they know how to get around it. Once you release them from that bondage, right, and they move on to like high school or college or, or not to college or whatever, or they're on their own, they know like, oh, I don't have to account to my dad or to my you know leadership or anything. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. Boom, and they move on, right? Right. Then you got, then you got. Um, I'm I'm going to go into weird. Uh, you know, uh, what's that guy's name? I'm not even going to mention his name because I don't want to. Uh, there's parenting books on, <laughs> on that kind of thing. So um, there's another way that um, your kid, you know, does whatever bad, right? And then you stop him or her and you bring that child to you and go, why did you do this? Um, like, and, and get them to analyze the moral compass of why. Like, why... Did you do this? Why? What's the moral reasoning behind this? Why is this good? Why is this bad? If you can teach a child that, um, so they understand why it's not okay to hit somebody or why it's not okay to just rip flowers off, you know, a flower bed or why it's not okay to just stomp a anthill or whatever, you know, whatever it may be. Like if you can get them to think for themselves on that, that's a good thing. Um, if you condition a child to do it out of fear or out of consequence, that child, once they get away, yeah, man, that's a lost hope right there. <laughs> so, yeah. Or, or they true. live on that, or they live on that fear. Um, or they, they continue to live on that fear because they assume that somebody's always watching. So, so I based, um, my, my one character who is, um, who is the like the person who is kidnapped in the book uh you know has that like he survived so long he had no soul so he survived so long without people noticing that because his dad did a very good job of training him in both areas oh that's interesting and most people don't pick that up like i don't say it in there it's it's very loosely implied so so what's your so in the no go ahead oh no I'm just saying like the book basically it, this is a different world the book is a different world it's an alternate you know universe mm-hmm. and spoiler I guess you would say like you don't know that until the end of the book so 
Um, but it kind of makes sense because it's all made up anyways, right? So, um, the, uh, yeah, the people with no souls are recruited by the same, um, organization that controls the Nephilim to use them. Like they, they train them properly in the way I taught, told you, like, like you have, these guys have no souls. They have no moral compass. So you have to train these guys how to properly uh, perceive, you know, the way we perceive things without like losing their shit. So what's your, what's your, uh, take on real life Nephilim? Ah, man. Um, that obviously here, here's the deal. The, 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 I guess you every, could throw in supernatural every, in general. Every time, or no, well, man, I want to believe, but it's hard, man. Every time a fake story comes out that gets proven fake, really, really, and who's putting these fake stories out? So, yeah, <laughs> every time a fake, every time a fake story comes out, it really diminishes the the fact that it could be real. Does that, does that make sense? It does. Like it and I guess you've been you've been like in, under the wings of the government. So like, what's your take on like government conspiracies? I, I yeah. Is it just yes, you it's cringe? Very, it's very plausible. Really? <laughs> oh no! Oh. Like it's. Oh, are you kidding me? The government well, will save their ass for anything. Well, see, no, that that's like, well, I've so the people I've talked to, they're that are in that either they're either like I did, it's one or the other. They're either like absolutely not. Like I've been here and there's no such da 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 da. I don't like absolutes. I don't like absolutes because you never unless you no know Sith, the full truth. Are you? All right. No. <laughs> well, I'm thinking more stave saker when I think of absolutes, but <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, I, I just uh, it, it's more. It's always more complicated. When I say that, like, it's never a yes or no. There's never a yes or like. What color is your shirt? That's a yes or no answer. Anything else? No, there's no yes or no answer. So right. Do you um? So what's your when you're saying? about the end result like okay you're telling me to do something but what's the what's the end result so what do you want to happen with the book or what do what did you ever get an answer as to what the end result is is supposed to be or or what you I think your purpose and as soon as i wrote it i never got like in you know in my head i was thinking different things like oh it's gonna minister to somebody and then at the end i'm like no I think it was just a creative idea that was very passionate, and I blamed it on God. How about that? That well, that's that's my right, answer. So, well, and I mean, so well, that's that's an interesting point of just like it very well could have been. It it doesn't have to be. I mean, it could be a ministry in the way of just it's escapism fun. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't. I guess. Oh, I gotcha. So, like, they you know, I, the, is there like implicit like Christian allegory in it, or even like will it make people there, there, think in that direction? There, there is there is certain stuff in there that refers to traditional Christianity, 
and doesn't make fun of it. It just shows the flaws and the doubts and the um in, in the same the the guy the one of the main characters in the book, <clears throat> which is John Michaels, Jonathan Michaels. He is um an ex pastor who was at a church and was in a small church and then all of a sudden became a victim of the crabs in a bucket kind of mentality of a small church, you know, like somebody's wanting to be in charge and this and that. Left mm-hmm. the church, um, now works at a hardware store. His kid just got kidnapped by the group that controls the Nephilim because his kid has no soul. Um, and uh, it, it shows the the fragileness you know, I don't even know if that's a word, but fragility. Uh, of uh, fragility. Yeah, fragility of of just people in general, and and you see him doubting his faith in the whole thing. That it's always with him, it's always a matter of faith because he's recovering from this. Um, so he, was it, he's so a. It sounds almost like it was more cathartic for you. Yes. Oh, no, no. If you read this, like, there's a lot of me in this. So this is the first book. The second, we're doing a whole series, by the way, on this. The, he, he's a character that will be reoccurring, like, all the time. Like, it, the first book, he's fragile. He he doesn't know what's up. Um, he's doubting. Um, in the in every everything past this book, like, he's confident of what what's what. Um, he's in, he's all in it. It's, it's a thing now. So, um, well, so, uh, so, so where can people find this? Um, cause we're, we're running out um, here, but yeah, where can people it, pick this uh, up? They go on to, uh, oh, you call me up on this. Hang on. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> this is something my wife's going to kill me. This <laughs> She's pretty much being my PR right now. Oh, and, nice. uh, she was like, Make sure you have this ready and this ready. I'm like, damn it, I don't have none of this right here. Um, if if you look up Nephilimancer, um, which is, um, oh good lord, hang on, hang on, hang on. You you called me. Uh, I should have had all this ready. I apologize. Uh, that's fine. It's early. Yeah. So it's uh, Nephilim. So. In hang on, hang on. N e p h i l i m a n c e r. Um, if you go look that up on um, after one September, we'll be publishing. So if you look that up on Google, it'll pop up. But in the meantime, if you want to follow my Facebook, we're working on the websites. But if you look up Gary Space D dot Space Wilkinson, which is W i l k i n s o n. Um, on Facebook, that's my author page, and I'm sure, um, you know, you have the links to that. I think so. If you want to pop yeah. that up on there, yeah, we'll put it on so, the that's for sure. Yeah, so my wife's working. I do have nephilimancer.com. I do have theburrow.com. Uh, read the book and you'll know what the burrow is. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, Gary D. Wilkinson author.com. So, um, yeah, we're officially releasing one uh september for the digital version i'm I'm only doing like some printed copies for guys here locally in bagram and you know family members and whatnot you know who don't know how to use digital crap so (laughs) (laughs) So, that so um 
Um, but yeah, yeah. And we're working on, we're already working. We're already, I'm already nine chapters in on how I'm going to lay out the next book. So, which is related to the first book. So very cool. Well, Gary, thanks for coming on, man. Um, I really hope it, uh, I hope it takes off. Yeah, I do too. I do. I'm not banking on this. It's just, you know, it, it's, it's a thing and it takes work and, you know, I'm hoping five books in, maybe I'll make a living off of it. <laughs> hey, there you go. No, I mean, I, that's, I'm, I'm, no. I, yeah, one of these days I will come out with a book, but man, it is some work. I'm telling you now, if you need advice before you, <laughs> please come to me. I've, I went through, I literally took every, oh crap, I shouldn't have done this. Crap, I shouldn't have done this. If you yeah. need advice, like what not to do, yeah, I'm, I'm your man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gary. Well, thanks, buddy. All right. You have a good day. I called out your name into the dark, but nobody came. Nobody heard. I've been searching my whole life for you. Always come up dry. Maybe better luck next time. In the by and by Nowhere to run Nowhere to hide Your time is done No room for pride True dark is coming Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Four men stuck in a cage, one chair. Um, all right, three nineties movies. <laughs> Which one would win? Um, Goldberg from Mighty Ducks and Heavyweights. He wasn't Goldberg in Heavyweights, obviously. Largely from Mighty Ducks. Largely from Mighty Ducks. Um, thirty-nine yes. years old was just rearrested. Or most recently arrested. It's such a meth move, too. People that don't do meth might not have picked this up, but so he got arrested, uh, quote, messing around with a flashlight in the middle of the night. So let me tell you something about tweakers and flashlights and looking for things, okay? Do you know how many flashlights I had in my prime of doing meth? I mean, dozens dozens okay and like i would have to i would have to like my friends that would come over my whatever my using associates that would come over i would be like listen nobody go out into their damn car and start because they would just go out to their car at like 2 a.m and just pull everything out of their car throw it all over the street be digging in, to organize it or whatever or looking for whatever or like trying to fix some <laughs> whatever dude just doing everything and nothing with a like just looking so creepy so <laughs> it's like flashlights and like pouches and uh like book bags and secret pockets it's just you become a yeah. weird like chipmunk it's the chipmunk of the drug world i guess i don't know strange 
<laughs> but so yeah. they found Goldberg with a like you, you know looking shady, and they arrested him. And his mugshot is awful. Yo, he looks like he's fifty. He looks like he's fifty something. And I immediately like I gut reaction. I was like, that sucks. Like that's a huge bummer. And then, but most yeah. of the tabloid, and it's so soon. This is this is the the duality of the tabloid or the quote unquote journalistic media these days. Journalists, um, college kids, they pay ten dollars an article for and don't spell check anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone was like, oh, go look at this, you know, look at this sad motherfucker, like, da-da-da-da-da. It's like, well, where's the same pity? Like, it really bummed me out. Like, It's really sad. I mean, the picture awful. is just, it's just sad. Like, oh, my. I wouldn't have, like, been able to pick him out from any other tweaker begging for money on the side of the road. No, you know? I didn't recognize him as... He looks fucking haggard. Yeah, I didn't. I did not recognize him as who he said he was. Nah. Um, yeah, it was bad. Oh, before I forget, sorry about this, and John, we got a request that, that you uh, say the name. We got two new Patreons. Okay. Say, I don't remember the names I'm say trying to Steve, say. Stephen Edwards. Stephen Edwards. Stephen motherfucking Edwards. Oh, wow. Stephen Edwards. Good job, yeah, John. Man. Your memory's so good. And Scott Kennedy. Yeah, Scott Kennedy. He, you know, he's related, he's related to John F. and Robert. I thought he was related to, like, the dead. Oh, well. I think that's well, cooler. Well, he is not zombies. No, no, the, he is the band John F and Robert. Right. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, uh, because they're uh, dead. Dead Kennedy. Yeah, I get it. Whatever. Um, that, was, that was funnier than you gave me credit for. Maybe it was the delivery. Know. It yeah. could have been great. Um, it was good. It could have been great. We've been getting new. John has been getting uh, new stickers out to you guys. They're awesome. Yep. Yep. The last are the guys that we just announced. They're coming. They're coming hot off the press. They are coming, coming at you. Coming hot off the press. Um, right. Some upcoming episodes. We got a Calvinist. Calvinist slash secular Buddhist. Yeah. Which is an interesting combination. Yeah. I've, I've already failed. Penis, to penis drawer. Too. I made it two days, man. I need to get back on that. I really like the um, uh, Headspace did a... 10 minutes for 10 days yeah and that set my prep that like really gave me a good foundation and just got me well, into you, a routine well are you are you still meditating daily yep are you really yeah when what's your routine uh i tried to do so my routine with kids being out for summer my routine's all fucked but um i have been i try to exercise and then meditate before i do anything else but um, that doesn't always happen. So I do it as early as I possibly can. You still, I still don't. So you still do pre-workout, right? Oh yeah. How do you, that's what I'm saying. How do you last? That's why I'm telling you, that's why you're worthless after 5 PM, dude. Well, I'm up at 5 AM. Well, that's what I'm saying. But I think if yeah. you, I think if you didn't have the crash from that, that you would catch a second wind. Maybe not. Um, well, I mean, I take it at 5 a.m., so I do catch second wind. You mean like a fifth wind? A night wind? <laughs> a night wind. Is that what you mean? 
Yeah, that's um, true. I've been, uh, dude, my sleep has been awful lately, too. Yeah, I, I, I have sworn off melatonin because there got to a point where I couldn't fucking sleep, dude. Maybe that's so, it. I have sworn it off. It takes more than it gives, I have found. You know that I started <clears throat> that when I came to visit you. Oh, yeah, I was a big melatonin proponent. Yeah. I was like, yeah, dude, take this shit. Maybe it's that not. Is, did you notice anything? It, I wonder. <sighs> did you notice any other, like, side effects from taking it regularly? No, it just messed with my sleep. Like, I, I it was hard. It, it, it so just what, messed with my sleep. Did you, you just clean? Just Over went, time. You just clean, just went off of it and just dealt with shitty sleep for a couple of days or what? Yeah, and it was only for like two days. Okay. It wasn't near as bad as I thought it was going to be either. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause and it, and I did night meditation. I did like a sleep meditation those couple of nights before that, and I was dude, it's fine. That's a good. Yeah, and I think about that here. That's why I'm still. God, I I am forever in junkie mode because it's still. It's like yeah, I know these like practical steps I could take to go to sleep, but I'd rather just take a pill. Like much. Oh rather. yeah. Just, so much easier. Just knock me out. I'm borderline yeah. to the point where, like, asking Kaylee to hit me with a two by four, like, <laughs> just, just take me out. And now we got this fucking kitten who's adorable, but and, nah, fuck cats. Well, and the kitten and our older cat who we just got fixed uh, are now having like a love attention competition. So, Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So like the kitten was curled up sleeping with us last night, and I, I, I feel like a. Whoa, and it was the big older cat jumped on the bed and like walked over and like went to lay in her regular spot and the kitten was there and you just hear and just like bitch, get out of my spot and it's like I'm y'all are not about to have a battle royale at that's midnight. too funny it is um so send us an email send us an email at gmail Patreon send us your monies Patreon. If you like what we do here and want some kick-ass stickers and for me to say your name like a professional wrestler announcer, send us some monies. Even a dollars. Even a dollar. I think I'm going to go see a Black Klansman today. That looks really good. Yeah. I'll let you know how it is. I'll let you boy. Oh, I saw 8th Grade. That's my movie recommendation for y'all. You know, are you familiar with Bo Burnham? Yeah, he di- he produced it, right? Or no, yeah, it? wrote, directed all of it. It's so good. It's so good. Must see. Yep. All right. Good. All right. Catch you on the flip flop. Okay. All right. I hate you. Okay. Bye.